This is the Workin' With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. So I am with Melissa DiDonato, who is the Chief Revenue Officer for ERP Cloud at SAP. I had the pleasure of meeting Melissa last year at a Founders for Schools event, which was fabulous. She was truly one of those wonderful, supportive female C-level execs you meet who wonderfully connected me to someone who's been very helpful in my business. So thank you again for that, Melissa. That's great news. She's truly someone who is very congruent in her, I guess, her, her behavior and her actions, which is why I'm here today chatting to her about her career. She's also the head of the technology group of the 30% Club, as well as being a passionate advocate for women in business and girls in STEM. She's a STEMET's godmother, a trustee for Founders for Schools, a board member for Notion Capital and the Data Science Institute at Imperial College. But ultimately, she is a mother who believes that we can change the digital world one girl and one woman at a time. So thanks for joining me, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Thank you for inviting me indeed. So I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about actually your, your role here at SAP and, and what you do so that I guess our audience can understand what does the Chief Revenue Officer actually do in the world? Yeah, what does the Chief Revenue Officer not do is probably more to, <laughs> more to the point. Um, I, I do everything from fly around the world meeting customers, trying to drum up interest with partners, creating the strategy for the business from the revenue side, of course, of the ERP cloud for SAP. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart, or what we call an intrapreneur here at SAP, because I don't run my own business. Instead, I try and build a startup within within a big company of SAP. So, I mean, you know, I, I'll change diapers and, and polish shoes if I need to, if it means that it's going to be impactful for our business. So it's much more about what I don't do than I think what I do do here at SAP. So throughout your career and now as uh, Chief Revenue Officer, you've led major shifts in how companies use tech to manage their business, including cloud migration. In your view, what's next and how will it change the way we work? So I think we're on the precipice of something big. We're, we're about to shift again. Uh, I started my journey with SAP, not working directly for SAP, but I was a coder for SAP. I was an R3 coder, SDMMPP, and based this in 1996, all because the dean of the business school that I was attending at the time for my MBA said, you ought to get into this SAP thing. It's going to catch on. And so began my journey in the technology of one I've never left. And, and I've been involved and been part of and been lucky enough to lead, in some cases, the shift you know, from, from mainframe to client server environments with R3, and then going into a hosting model, which we started to call cloud, and then look at the way that we delivered ERP in a, in a different model. And then, of course, looked into the CRM. I was with Salesforce for seven years, so looked at what a true cloud business meant. And I think now we're about to shift again. And it's not just about taking ERP off of the premises of our customers, but it's much more about delivering intelligent ERP. And with intelligent ERP, again, cloud is not just a mode of delivery, but a mode of innovation. And that innovation to be delivered to our customers in a very different way, that was never expected and never desired necessarily before. What we wanted before was stability and functionality. What we want now is change and innovation. It's very, very different even in RP, even in ERP. And what that means is that they're gonna expect a lot of innovation around machine learning and AI, embedded analytics, autopilot that we're delivering through our ERP. 
And that's going to have an impact on our society because machine learning is going to take away the mundane tasks that a lot of people perform around the world, regardless of, you know, location or country or law or size. Things like invoice matching and, you know, a lot of finance functions. We think that in, you know, in probably three to four years, many of the functions that happen in, in a finance department will go away and be replaced by technology. And, and, and that is going to be led with innovation. So I, I think we're about to be on the shift of the way technology is purchased, the way it's consumed, and what's expected in the delivery of an application, whether it be a large enterprise application or a CRM application or a point and sale application. It was being demanded by society and by buyers and by businesses and by consumers is now merging into being one of innovation. So I think we'll see a big shift and, and we're trying to lead that way. And this is not, you know, not an advert for SAP by any means, but it's an advert for the acceptance of what's about to come, which is change. So, you know, we used to buy based on stability and functionality, and now we're moving towards change and innovation. And I, I think that we as a society must be open to that, that we're going to be taking away a lot of these mundane, simple tasks that are open to human error. And we'll be taking that away and replacing with machines and robotics and other such technologies. But that does mean that we're going to offer society a way of getting skilled, expecting more from them, offering more in way of training, more opportunities. Jobs are not going away but mundane tasks are going away. So we're going to expect more from people. And, you know, I think that's good for our society. It's good for our children because our children will come into a world that's going to be much different where technology is going to be replacing, robotics are going to be replacing a lot of the things that our grandparents used to do or our parents or maybe even us when we were kids in favor of doing something different. So I, I think that's what's coming in and what we're in store for. And, you know, I think we should embrace it. And I think we should look into at what the value could be for people in trying to get them skilled in different ways to do much more important, you know, daily tasks in their days, if you will. Well, I am quite happy to say goodbye to mundane tasks. So and very you excited. And me both. You and me both. <laughs> So in, in addition to your position as CRO, uh, you also serve as executive sponsor of diversity and inclusion at SAP. And as a leader in DNI and tech, what are some of the best practices you've seen and how companies can support the careers of women and other underrepresented groups? So really interested to hear about you know those examples of real action in in other businesses that, that you've seen. You know, this is. The whole DNI topic is something that's really dear to me and really important, and you know, much a reason why I go to work every day. I've got a four-year-old girl now, and I, I can't say that I, I have I feel the responsibility or accountability just for her, but much more for the business because by having my daughter and other women and other people of different you know race, religion, creed, whatever it may be. It will add a bottom line benefit to the profitability and success of a company. I mean, it's a, it's a fact that, you know, the, the stats are there. It's been proven that the more diversity at a board level, the, the better performing a company will be. So if we take, you know, my daughter out of it, right, and, and just expect her rather than me having the obligation to make the world better for her, I think she's got the obligation, in fact, to make the world better for me. But we need to path the, you know, pave the way to make it a little bit easier. And at SAP, we do a lot of amazing things for women. We've got a business women's network that has more than 10,000 members across the world, which is which is pretty good. Um, we have a lot of active groups. We have presence in all of our major offsite events, seminars, always a theme around women in leadership, women in business. You know, we try and look for loopholes. We try and measure everything. You know, where do we see a lack of women? Is it in sales, which it is? Is it in development, which it is? 
and try and measure that because you can't affect what you can't measure. And that, you know, we, we try and we, we try and make every year three big initiatives. And this year it's for us, it's around women, having more women in management in particular. So how do we get women from you know, to avoid the trap door. So they truck along in their career, they are having a great time, and then the trap door happens and they fall out before they can get into a management role. How, how do we avoid that? How does that, are they leaving to take care of sick parents? Are they leaving to have a baby? Are they leaving, you know, because their husband's got a more powerful career? Are they leaving, for what reason? And we're trying to find ways to support women as they become, you know, faced with those roadblocks or things that may encourage them theoretically to leave and try and get them to the support network to stay in. So that that's one of our themes over the last year. Um, the other one is around the LGBTQ community. Um, we're doing a lot around trying to encourage SAP to run prouder. So not to run private, run prouder. Um, and having outreach, networking, events, mentoring. I mean, the, you know, the typical recruiting programs that we can attract this community to make sure that they're taking an active role and really being proud of who SAP is and what we want to become. And the last one has been around young people. So we're really trying to encourage early talent, really focused on getting early talent in through the SAP Academy, giving them fundamental skills to grow, and then giving them placements inside of SAP. And of my sales team, we're trying to place 15% of young talent, which means you know we're educating them for one year, spending a significant amount of money to educate them, train them, you know, give them some work experience, and then give them a full-time job at SAP actually selling. So really taking care and nurturing that community, giving young talent an, a way in that they would have never otherwise have had, and then keeping them in. So mentoring them, giving back, asking them for feedback. I started an initiative a couple of months ago now because I had really, frankly, gotten really sick and tired of people looking at me and saying, <laughs> you're at SAP, you're the chief revenue officer of the cloud business, you're not German. Yeah, nope, I'm not German. You're not a man. Nope, not not a male. I'm not a male German. And I don't fit what the image of SAP is. So I went on this like, you know, soapbox bandwagon moment where I was like, I am SAP. And I created a hashtag I am SAP. And then reached out to loads of people around SAP and just to take a picture of who like who's the real you and encouraging them to be the real person that they are inside of SAP. And then look for ways so they can be visible, be present, be mentored, be a mentor for others. And I think what we've all learned is that you can't be what you can't see inside of SAP, inside of technology. And, you know, whereas I feel like it's my obligation for my daughter to create a better world, it's going to be her obligation to pay it back to me. We have to be visible she doesn't know what good looks like. And, and that's the kind of the old adage, I think, for anyone with a diverse either way of thinking or diversity in who they are, is that they need to be proud of who they are, where they, you know, proud of how they got where they were. And it was because of them, not because of someone else. Like, you know, I got a lot of, oh, I thank my nanny and my husband for allowing me to be here, the kind of thing. And it's, well, you know, you're here because of the decisions you made. Um, but, you know, it, it, but you can't imagine what you can be unless someone that you can look up to you have a role model to be. So we're really big on trying to extract and be visible at SAP. So I think it's about being visible, being present, paying it forward, you know, try and go out and have talks. And we do a lot of coffee corners at SAP. So whenever I travel, which is a lot these days, I try and go into the office and hold a coffee corner. We try and do women in sales events the last Thursday of the month. And it's, it's not, you know, to create a gang, but it's more to create a, a camaraderie that, you know, and a voice to sound off of other people. And then of course, mentoring, which is really important, of course, throughout, you know, I think every level of everyone and every 
job and every company, regardless of, you know, whether it's an American company, a startup or UK based business or a German company for that matter. So, you know, we do a lot of amazing things, I think, at SAP to really attract diversity in and then to maintain it, to avoid that trap door, keep people in, keep people visible and look for ways to promote them throughout their career. I did see the, um, the hashtag I am SAP and was pretty impressed by it actually. So we had a lot of people, um, like jumping in their pool, like, you know, with, with their husband and their kids. And we had another woman on the back of a motorcycle because we're trying to show that, you know, be your real self. I mean, and that's the moral of the story. I think that when people listen to this podcast, if it's one thing they take away and that they remember me for, it's I helped encourage them to be their true self, whatever that means, in whatever role they perform, whatever duties they are, whether they're a stay-at-home mom, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're a successful businessman or woman, is that, you know, be true to who you are and be visible and be present and look for ways to pay it forward. That's what I think is about, you know, we're trying to incorporate with diversity and inclusion here at SAP. So if I came to work for you tomorrow, and let me tell you, I'm pretty tempted just halfway through this interview. <laughs> I've always got a job for you. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. Yeah. What would be the first thing I noticed about the way you do things? So, you know, I, I kind of, I, I, I polled my team. I said, you know, I always try and get feedback, uh, some which was really, wow, interesting. Others, maybe not so much, but we just went through a year end. So we go through a review, you know, what do we do well? What do we not do well? What do we do need to do more of this year? You know, what, what am I as a leader? What can I do to give back and to help lead successfully? And the one thing that kept coming back about me is that I'm really about empowerment. I think it's really important for people to succeed and really important for people to fail at every stage of your career. Otherwise you'll never learn. If, if you're not empowered, if someone's holding your hand the entire way, you're never going to have the opportunity to learn from your mistakes. I mean, it's, it's really just really simple psychology. I think serial box psychology, as we call it in the U S. Um, and I think that, you know, if, if you were to poll the team that I've got and they say, well, you know, what about Melissa stands out to you? I think for sure they would say, um, empowerment, and they would also say forgiveness because I live under the premise of it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is permission, maybe too much. And thereby they've taken that lesson upon themselves. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of forgiving, uh, you know, emails and requests these days. But, um, I, you know, I think it, you must go out, you must, you must fail, you must try, you must make big bets, especially when you're in technology. And you're making big shifts, right? You know, as we go on this big shift to, into machine learning and innovative delivery of enterprise applications, we are going to make mistakes and we need to make big bets. So I think that, you know, being empowered is probably something that I'd like to give to the team and give them the opportunity to make mistakes and stand up, dust themselves off and go back at it again. Fantastic. A safe place to make mistakes. So you've spoken on the importance of mentoring as women build their careers what advice would you give anyone becoming a mentor or a mentee? I do a lot of talks on mentoring. And I think for me, I, I do it because it's been so impactful for me. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, when we first started talking, that the dean of the business school said to me, you ought to catch, you know, you get in this SAP thing, it's catching on. And that's where my mentoring journey began. And, and probably well before that, in fact, you know, my high school teacher that said, you're exceptional in languages, you should take some more of those. And, you know, all this little tidbits of advice or forms of mentoring, not necessarily from a parent, but from anyone else, I would say, right? Because the parents you tend to ignore. But anyone else in any other form tends to start your journey in mentoring. And for me, it was really transformational all the way from getting to the SAP thing to you need a female mentor, because when I started my career in technology, they were all men. And it was natural to have men as be my, you know, to be my mentor because there weren't any women. 
And so, you know, the mentoring for me has been so powerful and so important. And I think the reason why it's been successful is that I go to every meeting as a mentee with a list of objectives. You know, what do I want to get? How much time do I have? How much time do I have between each meeting? What am I going to do between each meeting to show success and movement in the advice I've been given? Or to be able to say that advice I didn't agree with, here's why. So you know, going in prepared with a list of objectives, what I want to get out of that meeting has been really important for me because going in having a chat is not going to get you anywhere. Going in with objectives, being able to report back on the you know, advice and decisions we've made last time is important. So I'm prepared tonight to sit down with Guy to say, we talked about these five things and not, not 50. I, I would suggest limiting it to three or five. These are the five things we discussed. These are the three actions I had. And these are the outcomes that I've had from last time. I wasn't able to do these two things. And here's why. Can you help me think through why this happened? And if I go in with a script, literally what I've done, what we agreed, what I haven't done and why, I get so much more out of that session. And then I utilize that for the, the topics and the agenda for the next. Just as you prepare for a business meeting, I prepare for my mentoring meetings as a mentee. As a mentor, I like to prepare in advance. So I keep track of what we've talked about last time, what I've asked my mentee to go ahead and do. While we're away, I do a little bit of research on the topics or the agenda or the, you know, the industry that they happen to be in. Because not everyone that I mentor happens to sit in technology. One sits in retail, as an example. One sits in customer service for a, a, in telco. So it's a different, slightly different than me. But I like to keep up with the trends, understand what's going on with their businesses, not directly their company per se, but being prepared and understanding the industry in which they need to work in. Because the dynamics of the industry, the economy in which they work, will have a net effect on their role on their future, on their position, you know, what's happening in the US and California, what's happening in the UK with Brexit. Those are all going to be important topics potentially weaved into the mentoring session that I have. So either way on both sides of the fence, whether you're a mentor, whether you're a mentee, go in with a list of objectives, a list of what you want to get out, topics you want to discuss and try and keep it to five. Try and really make sure that during this space between each of the meetings, that you know what you're doing, what your road, you know, your pathway is going to look like, and then set, of course, your next meeting and try and stick to it. Look, I'm the worst one. I mean, how many times have we rescheduled this, this chat? I mean, it's been just, God, I'm plagued with, you know, a changing diary, but really try to keep the schedule as much as you can. And I think it's important to have, you know, the meeting scheduled and you're not, you're not meeting six times a year, probably that's probably too much depending on the mentee and the mentor's availability, but you definitely want to have a cadence of at least once a quarter. Otherwise it's going to be meeting. It's not going to be meaningful at all because there's too much time space between, but if you do it once a quarter, I think people have meeting. So that, that would be my tidbit around the importance of mentoring, you know, finding more than one mentor, both male and female for everyone, try and have diversity in your mentors, just as you would in your business. And then, of course, have your three or five key objectives, what you want to get out of it, have your agenda, prepare for it like you would a normal business meeting, and, ex and, and expect a lot, right? Expect a lot from your mentee, expect a lot from your mentor, and it, they will always exceed expectations. Well, I think you pretty much just gave us your mentoring handbook, so thank you for I that. We'll be so I can't write a that. book on it now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll write it for you. Yeah, okay, deal, <laughs> done, done. If you were to give one piece of advice to young women considering a career in tech, what would it be? Be open to change. I did a talk a couple of weeks ago about, you know, I think women, hey, all of us, when we think of corporate life, whether you're an entrepreneur in a large corporation, a small startup, whatever, it makes no difference. You think of things in a very linear fashion. You think of, I'm going to climb the career ladder. There's no career ladder. I hate, you know, the news broke here first. There's no career ladder. It is, I'm from New York. There's a New York fire escape. 
If you think about New York fire escapes, you go up, you go to the side, you kind of hang out a little bit, you pull the ladder down, you climb up again, and you go back and forth and back and forth. And I think, you know, I think the one thing that, you know, young women need to embrace is change. It's not going to be linear. There's no way, single way up in the corporate ladder. It's going to be up and then to the right and then sideways and then back down again, then up a little bit. And, you know, be open to change because inevitably the word technology equals change innovation, change in delivery, change in, you know, in, in the buzzwords and in, in, in the way we consume technology, buy technology, absorb it. The consumer world and the business world are kind of merging together in way of our expectations for what technology can bring, but all of it is going to yield change. So it must be adaptable and must be open to embracing obstacles as they come because they will not, you know, there will be obstacles in life, not just your career and being open to, and, you know, embrace those changes as they come. So I think I, I maybe have an idea of what your superpower is, given you're just so high energy. Um, but what do you think your superpower is? My daughter thinks my superpower is the ability to fly. And, and not, I don't wear a cape, like I'm not a superwoman, but I have fairy wings. <laughs> or I'm a unicorn and I have, you know, like I definitely have wings. So, you know, how can you be present everywhere is the moral of the story, I think. You know, yes, I need to be in Brazil on Monday. I need to be in London on Tuesday. You need to be in New York on Wednesday. That's crazy. But, you know, I think the importance of the wing concept is being where you need to be and being emotionally available in whatever place you're in. Be present for whatever you do. When you're home with your family, the love of God, be present. Be focused on them. Put your phone down for a second. Not forever. I say for all of my my team that are listening, be available. No, just kidding. But be 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 present in whatever it is you're doing. I mean, I, I sometimes tell people, you know, one of the, one of the my team that's working for me, her family is moving from South Africa to the UK. And she says my family is arriving on Thursday, so I'm not gonna. It may be delayed response. And I said, no, you're not gonna respond at all. You're not gonna respond at all. Nothing is gonna break in one day. Be present for them. So use your wings to fly to whatever place you need to be and wherever that place is at that time, be present, which means when you're at work, be present, work hard and be present at work. When you're at home, you be present with them. When you're, you know, on the road and you know, whatever it is you're doing, use your superpowers, use your wings that I've got. And I fly to be present wherever I need to be. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic to connect, to hear what your handbook for mentoring actually looks like to, to get some practical tips to hear how you use your wings through to being present, to just being really balanced in life. You're a great inspiration to everyone. And I look forward to connecting again. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you too. You've been listening to the Workin' With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes and at workinwith.com. That's W-E-R-K-I-N with.com. with.com.